Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 2nd, 2016, and this is episode 162. My name is Jake English. I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Scott Magnus. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing it at our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, where we are proud members over at baltimoresportsreport.com. You can also find this show, along with a lot of other great shows about baseball at large, on Baseball Talk Radio. It's also possible that you found this show on some sort of third-party platform, such as Google Play Music and iTunes. If you've done so, please do us a favor. Please rate and review this show. It helps us reach new ears. There's this thing about the internet that people really rely on things that are reviewed and commented on and and obviously looked at by other people. It's social media. So please go ahead and rate and review. And we just want to thank, we want to thank the dark side for a review this week. Team Vader, thanks so much for your iTunes review. Um, you can also find us on social media. We've got a Facebook, a Google Plus account. We are on Periscope. And by the way, if you missed this week's Bird's Eye preview. Shame on you. You have missed the bet. We may have broken the internet. Yeah. You can find us uh, old men on Snapchat and also on Instagram. But the very best way to reach us is on Twitter where we tweet at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, Scotty, let's talk about the drink of the week. What's on tap for you? Sure. So I actually just kept it very simple. Kept it to do exactly what we did last week. I did the Baltimore Shot Tower Gin plus uh, some tonic water with a lime in it. Um, uh, I'm gonna keep going to this. Keep going to this drink. Uh, this this gin is pretty nice. Hey, if it if it's not broke, yeah, don't fix it. I'm not fixing that. I was thinking rum and coke, but then I was just like, no, nah, not feeling it tonight. So back to the Baltimore Shot Tower Gin. I am. Uh, I'm going very local. Uh, at the moment, and by local, I mean Milwaukee. Uh, I'm drinking a National Bohemian, just polished off That's a... a great a, ballpark beer right there. It is. It's a 16... Oh, wait. No. Oh. I, look, I have a question sure. for our, our Bird's Eye View listeners, and, and I'm glad that you broke out the gin and tonic, because as you know, we're we're gin guys, Yeah. right? Uh, a friend of mine, a guy I work with, is a, is a brandy aficionado, and to be fair, he'd probably call himself a, a cognac connoisseur, uh, both because he likes it and because it's alliterative. Um, but I have zero experience with it zero and i'm curious to try it out and so i'm asking the bird's eye view listening audience to give me some suggestions about brandy uh how to get into it any brands uh, for beginners that you can recommend so uh if you're a brandy drinker i appreciate it if you would please tweet us out your answers and use the hashtag brandy your fine drink remy vsop by the way highly recommended all right, fair yeah. enough. So send us your recommendations again. It's hashtag more of a cognac, but brandy, you are a fine drink. 
Uh, and that is the drink of the week this week. You can find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, let's dive into the medical wing. Hang on, I'm going to need to pop open another one for yeah, this you're discussion. You're going to need a segment. All right, so a bunch of people on the uh, medical wing this week. Um, the one, of course, has to be J.J. Hardy, who foot issue, uh, going to be out four to eight weeks. Um, I think it's going to be at least six to eight weeks, uh, based off of everyone else that has been in that age group. Uh, it's going to be a while without J.J. Hardy. People are going to have to get used to it. Um, we'll, we'll touch base on that a little bit. Zach Burton also hurt his ankle. On uh, Saturday's game, uh, which also prompted the Orioles to pretty much lose the game in the process. Um, but it looks like he didn't suffer so badly. It looks like he'll be back for the New York series, which, huzzah. But, um, yeah, concerning uh, Hunter Harvey, too, um, had a sports hernia surgery uh, this week, or is going to. Uh, so he's going to be at another, what was it, four to six weeks, I think is what I saw. I don't know. I can, you know, I, I started reading Hunter Harvey groin and just stopped because it made me sad. Okay. And then Giovanni Gardo is still getting over the shoulder tendonitis, but we haven't really heard any updates on him at all, which yeah, I guess we're in just wait mode right now as it is. But he is traveling over every pothole in the Baltimore region. Yeah, that's a lot of people all of a sudden to end up in the medical wing that quickly. Uh, and I'm also going to point out that you kind of jinx J.J. Hardy putting him in the medical wing last week, and then all of a sudden he gets injured. He was hobbled in the dugout. Masson showed it and asked if he was healthy. I was simply asking the question that had already been asked. Well, we'll get around to J.J. Hardy and Zach Burton a little bit further in the show. Um, but let's get to the short and sweet in 140 characters or less this week on the Twitters. First, this week on the Twitters, this tweet comes to us from Darren Willman at Darren W. David Ortiz with a 32.4 second home run trot, slowest of the season. He now owns three of the top five. Did you know that David Ortiz's ego is retiring this year? Really? Yeah, just ask him. He'll tell you. I think I saw that on ESPN. All right, the next one goes to, you should just schedule this tweet in the future. This comes from our good friends, Baltimoreans. You can follow them at BMorons. Please come out of retirement. I'm already sure that it will not enjoy a Brian Mattis at bat this season. Well, duh. We've been saying that for the past few years. All right, Scott, with this next tweet, I want to know, why does she call him Buck? This is a tweet from uh, Rock Kabako who tweets, at Mass and Rock, kiss cam shows Buck in the dugout, and wife Angela comes in for a kiss. Nice. You know what rhymes with Buck? Hashtag Orioles. What's next on the on the Twitters, Scott? <laughs> next on the Twitters comes from a follower of ours, uh, Louisa Gallagher. You can follow her at Carolina Beaming. She tweets, watching New York versus Boston, rooting for the Yanks, and I feel dirty. Off to shower. Now, this is the wrong answer. You root for rain in this instance. There's no better option than to screw with their entire roster. Root for rain and get David Price out of there early with only two innings pitched. Buckets and buckets Bucket. of rain. Hail, actually. Is it more appropriate? Next tweet goes to, um, ooh, this is a good one. This is from another follower of the show. This comes from Lila Shapiro, uh, and it comes from, holy crap, I just saw a ghost. Um, Lila posted, and you can follow her at Lila SC. Uh, speaking of Costner, doesn't his dad in Field of Dreams look like Joey Rickard? Okay, 
if you go and look at Kevin Costner's dad in Field of Dreams, he is a dead resemblance for Joy Rickard. I'm sorry. Dead resemblance. All right. Next, let's talk about Little Bitty Ears. Um, Orioles Uncensored, a fine Orioles podcast who I believe just came out with an episode. You should make sure you check it out. I tweeted out the following Adam Jones on Manny Machado in at ESPN Mag. In the clubhouse, we call him Orion. R-E-O-R-E-J-O-N. Orejon. All right, okay. I took Russian. I can't do it. Uh, Big ears in Spanish. No need to explain why. I thought he had little bitty ears. Yeah. All right, so we've got an issue here. We were talking about it earlier. J.J. Hardy's going to be out for the next four to eight weeks. And um, let's just say someone is not going to be spending their time as uh, as well. So our, the first tweet actually came from at Sunglass Guy. And he says, personally, I feel all tickets to games at Canyon Yard should be discounted until Hardy comes back. Lee Elling, J.J. Hardy is now our tradition. We posted back to him. I think at RWAG614, Ryan Wagner, is just going to need to take a pay cut. Ryan, of course, responded back, easy. Let's not get carried Let's away. Let's not get carried away. Let's slow it back. Look, we're all going to have to make some sacrifices. The situation is not as good as it was before. But you know what we really need right now? We need someone to potentially save us going forward with all these injuries. Ah, is right. <laughs> Yikes. All right, Scotty, I have one question for you. Yes. Are the Orioles built to survive? Um, as long as Ryan Flaherty doesn't get hurt, sure, the Orioles are built to su- survive. All right. So Zach Britton and J.J. Hardy are injured, uh, as for now. And we don't really know how badly... For sure, when everybody's going to come back. We we do know that Hardy is severely injured, um, so it's going to definitely be months at this point. Zach Burton, everyone says, oh, everything's going to be okay, but it's still unnerving to a certain aspect to have someone that is one of the best closers in the game all of a sudden just, you know, potentially go down for even a few games. Um, Do you think that there will be any lingering effects from this injury after he comes back? Um, the only thing I could think of is if his plant foot gets, was impacted, but no, I, I think overall Zach Burton's going to be okay. Um, again, that's me being the positive individual that I am. Yeah, you are, po- you are poly positive. Yeah, poly positive. But no, I think Burton will be fine. Um, I, I don't think it was as, as bad as it was. I think it was, I just took a bad step. I mean, we've all been in that situation where we've taken a bad step on a field and we've gotten a sprained ankle from it. Here's the thing. If only, well, maybe not all of us. If only, <laughs> if only the club that was without one of the best closers in the game, were in a situation in which its starting pitching gave up so many runs that it didn't need its closer during that period. Like the Cubs. Oh, no. All right, so let me ask you this. Sure. Zach Britton hurt himself, right? Fielding. Yeah. The the very previous evening, he nearly hurt himself diving to tag somebody out uh, at first base. Has Zach Britton, whose arm is golden who salutes you every time he comes in. Has he become too cavalier in the field? No. It's just... I thought he actually was more hurt that Friday game than as opposed to the Saturday game. That was the terrifying... That was the terrifying one, especially when Chris Davis grabbed him by the back of the belt and just lifted him up. No, 
Chris, if he's hurt, let him lay there until Richie Bansell's mustaches his way out of the dugout and takes a look at him. Don't just grab. I don't know what you're talking about. Chris Davis has always shown that if you win the game, you're allowed to pick up smaller people than you and carry them around on the field. That's true. Nate McClough would agree for this. <laughs> he actually may be the stretcher. <laughs> Get the gurney. And by that, I mean Chris Davis. All right. So uh, you, you say that uh, Britain will be back in midweek, at least, to, uh, to to greet the Yankees. I think he'll be back Thursday. So okay. not quite midweek, but I think he'll be back on Thursday. Look, color me polypositive. Yeah. I'm not sure I buy it. Okay. I, I think that this is the type of thing where, you know, if he were an accountant, it would be an annoyance, but he's an athlete. And so until he's 100% all the way right, it concerns me. That's fine. And, and until you see him actually come out and pitch multiple times in a row, you're always going to be watching him a little bit more closely. Sure. In the meantime, it's got to be uh, O'Day in the ninth, right? I think it has to be O'Day in the ninth. I know that uh, there's been articles written, I think, by Jim, Jim Henman from Pressbox indicating that Brock would be an interesting option. And, and Brock definitely has some filthy stuff. But the thing that I like about Brock is he's able to go multiple innings where Darren O'Day is really not able to oftentimes go multiple innings. And I'd rather have the ability for Brad Brock to go one and a third or one and two thirds as opposed to just come in and just close down the game. I think that has a lot more benefit. Maybe we get into that situation too where maybe Brock comes in to close out a part of the eighth and part of the ninth. Maybe he would feel more comfortable doing that. Um, but I just don't see, I, I think O'Day is your guy. All right. Well, hear me out on this one. Um, Britain is again, one of the best. He's a lefty. So I'm thinking Brian Mattis comes in on the ninth to shut the door. Yep. Taking away that beverage right now. You're absolutely <laughs> drunk. No, no, not, not Mattis. How about, uh, Vance worry? I mean, Worley. No, I don't think so. How about TJ McFarland? Oh, yeah. You got the lefty, yeah. Now you're thinking. All right. So, wild card out there that I would like to throw out there. Dylan Bundy, I think, would be a very interesting closer candidate. Okay. I I hear that. I, I listen. But I, to your logic, I think his ability to go multiple innings I agree. exclusive. I agree. Also, because uh, Buck would dry hump him three or four times before the ninth inning alone. And uh, we can't have that. But I'm not really that worried about the whole situation with Britain. I think the depth, you know, if, if the Orioles had not signed O'Day this offseason, I'd be absolutely in a panic right now. But since we have O'Day, I'm really not that concerned, and I'm not going to let Saturday's rare instance clog my memory. So, Oof. yeah. I don't even want to think about that game. I'm still trying to recover from that game. Not until not only did they give the game away on in Saturday on the the most just terrible ways, then Sunday happens with the injuries and then a day off. Yep. It is baseball purgatory. It's interesting right now because we've had 3 weeks of this now happen with the Texas game and then we had last weekend where they basically gave up the game, and then this weekend. So we've had three weekends in a row where we left, we're left with a salty taste or mouth with bad management, basically. All right, so Britain, I think we've put that to bed. Yeah. Let's go to the big topic, J.J. Hardy. Yeah. So it's a fracture. Yes, microfracture. Microfracture. Hairline fracture, whatever you want to call it. On his foot, on like the, the flat of his foot on the top, is that where it is? Uh, it's a, it's a fracture. I it's mean, on the foot part. It's on the okay. foot part. It's on the foot. Let's part. just go with that. I mean, does it really matter where it's at? I mean, it's it's just going to be. It's going to have to heal. It's going to take some time. Six to eight weeks. Six to eight week, weeks. Someone said four weeks, but I just don't buy that. I think no. it's going to take at least two months, especially with his age. Um, yeah, I think it's going to take that much. But again, this team has shown the ability to get through um, with losing an infielder 
Jonathan Scope last year, the team managed to hang in there. Um, and, and first of all, Steve Pierce cannot play shortstop, and he's on the Rays. That's true. Well, it also comes back to the situation where last year they tried everybody in the world to try to make second base work. They tried every Cabrera. They tried Ray Navarro. They tried Steve Pierce. They tried everybody. And the big thing that was the issue was Ryan Flaherty was hurt at that time. So you lost scope, and Ryan Flaherty was hurt at the same time. So this time you do have Ryan Flaherty around, and I'm not going to claim that Ryan Flaherty can instantly move into Hardy's position and fill in for him. But you know what? I don't think it's going to be that bad of a loss. I mean, we talked about this this earlier this year. Whatever you got as a positive from J.J. Hardy was a net benefit. And yes, J.J. Hardy has shown a little bit more pop, but the two home runs he hit, it was up at Boston. It was around that pesky pole. Um, they would have been outs anywhere else. So it's not like he's hitting for an extreme amount of power. Um, it's just the defense that you're losing. And the question is, if you move Manny Machado over to shortstop, can Manny Machado, you know, do well enough at shortstop with Jonathan Scope to continue to turn those double plays? And Ryan, can Ryan Flaherty play an admirable third base at this time? Not Manny Machado level, but just an admirable level. Well, I mean, I think that your question basically becomes, is Ryan Flaherty in this organization and has he been for the past three or four years because he's a plus defender? And I say yes. I, I think that you go back and you look at that 2014 stretch where Manny Machado was hurt and was out, which still blows my mind that you went into the playoffs and Manny Machado was not playing. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of unfathomable thinking back back to the 2014 series and just being like, oh my god, Manny Machado didn't play. It's just hard to believe, and and Davis didn't play either. It's just it's hard to just even consider that based off of how much of an impact he has, but. Let's look at the numbers that I like to look at. You know, you look at Flaherty at third base, and over his career, he's got a .2 UZR over 150, which is uh, ultimate zone rating over 150 games. So Ryan Flaherty is an average third baseman. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to help you immensely like Manny Machado would, who has a 17.4 UZR over 150 at third base. But... You know, I don't think you're going to be really losing that much offensively compared to J.J. Hardy. I, I think that's the key point, and it's one that I've been trying to dance around. But if you were to lose one of the infielders, this is the one that you can best afford to lose. And I'm not diminishing in any way, shape, or form what J.J. Hardy does in the field. If you look at that play that was made, I think it was Saturday, yeah. where the ball deflected off of Manny Machado's glove, J.J. Hardy, who had overrun it, reached back to grab it and threw it out to have it uh, to scooped by a... Uh, Chris Davis. I mean, that was Sunday's game. I think you're I'm not positive. Yeah. You're not going to get that. No, 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 right from from Ryan Flaherty. So you, well, it's, you, it's what Buck says. It's that instinct that Hardy has of basically backing up or going to a base or just knowing where to be. Flaherty does not have that instinctual ability because he just hasn't played enough. Is the best way to describe it. Right. And he's not JJ Hardy. It's he's just yeah. He's he's not JJ Hardy, but he can play a serviceable third base, and he's made some really nice plays in the past there. Um, he is a great, like we talked about, utility player. It's just a question of can he actually hit with some decent power? And again, it doesn't have to be great. You know, most projections put JJ Hardy right around like 72 weighted runs created plus, which is certainly better than he was last year. But I think Ryan Flaherty can get a 70 plus weighted runs created plus. And and he doesn't even need to equal it. He just can't be a stark drop off. Correct. Right. Because I think that you and I agree that Hardy's maybe been up in the lineup a little further than he should Ooh, be. I agree. Yeah. And if you're talking about a seven, eight, nine hitter, Ryan Flaherty is a seven, eight, nine hitter in this league. He doesn't have to play every day except for this short stint of two months 
that J.J. Hardy's going to be out. Right. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of hoping for is you've got Manny Machado now at shortstop, and you've got Jonathan Scope at second base. I really am interested for a prolonged period of time. I really want to see the chemistry that that Machado and Scope have at shortstop and second base. I really want to see how that works because, in reality, that's your future to a certain aspect. That will tell you whether or not Machado and Scope can be your shortstop second base duo for the next six to eight years. And if they can, you have a franchise around it, which means that you should go out immediately if this works out and just be like, we're signing Machado and we're signing Scope to long-term deals immediately because we feel like there's a future there. Uh, And I know that's not – it may not work this year, but I'm a long-term picture person, and I really want to see what it looks like from a long-term perspective because – I, I don't know how much longer J.J. Hardy's going to play. And here, and I, I, my wife has been saying this a lot lately. They said, Carrie, I'm going to give you credit on this one. When J.J. Hardy got signed, she said, do you have any feeling that this might be a Brian Roberts-type contract? Oh. And I said, no, there's no way that's going to happen. But to a certain aspect, it kind of has been like a Brian Roberts contract to a certain aspect. Uh, I'm not willing to go that far. I, I see the parallels. There's, but- there's a lot of parallels. That really makes me uncomfortable. So the real question is, what does J.J. Hardy's wife look like? (laughs) It's a fair question. Yes. Um, Here's my uh, another question. If um, the injuries were not in tandem, if Britton and and Hardy were not injured in the same weekend, I would have thought that the move, if it had just been Hardy, that the move would have been to bring up Ryan Flaherty in place of Hardy on the DL and to send McFarland down and also bring up Paul Janish well, because they're already playing with a short bench. And I think they're going to do that, but Paul Janish is on maternity leave for the time being early this week. Until Wednesday. Until Wednesday. So I think come Friday or so, I think Paul Janish will be coming up for a starter. I'm not so sure if it's going to be TJ McFarland. I'm wondering if it's going to be Mike Wright, and I'm wondering if they're going to put Mr. Worley back into the rotation for the time being. You shut your mouth. I'm uh, just curious. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but... I personally would rather put McFarland back down AAA. I don't really see much from him besides just being a long man. I think Worley can be that long man. We saw it on Sunday. I think it can happen, particularly in junk time. Particularly in junk time. And McFarland does great in junk time. And I think Worley can do in a similar situation as well. Um, so if I'm all for you, I think the move that you just proposed is the exact move that I would make as well. All right. My next question for you is this. We talked about, I use the words every day for Ryan Flaherty, but that's clearly not his thing, right? He, you and I agree. He's very valuable as a utility guy and he can play every day in short stints, but you know, eight weeks is in my opinion, too much. He will get exposed. It's going to be tested. Um, you know, I, I just said, let's bring up Yanish. Do you think that it'll be the type of deal where maybe twice a week, you see either Yanish or Pedro Alvarez play third during this stretch while we're out. God, I really hope that we don't see Pedro Alvarez at third base. There's no reason to play Pedro Alvarez at third base. Sure there is. No, there's not. Absolutely, there is. Why? The reason is that you want to win games 8-6. to six. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to help you win games. I think that's going to help you lose games like 20-4, to four, but... You know, if I'm playing someone at third base, I'm playing Chris Davis at third base, and I'm putting Mark Trumbo at first base. I mean... yeah. The next best third baseman besides Machado and Flaherty is Chris Davis on this team, in my opinion. I don't think there's a, another better third baseman. Some people might go back and put, point to scope, but then you don't have a second baseman, so there's no point to do that. And again, no Steve Pierce. Right. So um, I, if I'm putting make a third baseman up, I'm putting Chris Davis there. I know the Orioles are reluctant to do so because they don't want to mess with their first baseman. 
But Chris Davis has the athleticism and has the arm to be a decent third baseman. I'd move Trumbo to first base and I'd put Kim and Reimold out in outfield and get some of them, get them some more at bats out there. So Hardy's going to be gone two months. Two months. Uh, hopefully, again, your timeline, Britain's back later this week. I, I'm thinking if we can get Hardy back after the All Star break, which is kind of what we said last year with Scope, if we can get Scope back after the All Star break, alt positive you you think then that this team can survive being without hardy for that period i do i do think it can it survive i i agree with you and again i i love hardy and i mean I no love disrespect love hardy I, and i think the role that he has adopted on the the in the field and in the lineup is one that that is incredibly valuable yeah. to this team he doesn't have to be one of the guys he, he can this, be a 789 this guy. actually strikes me very similar to the 2014 season when matt weeders went out and i was just like we're done there's no way the Orioles are going to be able to survive without Matt Wieters. And lo and behold, Caleb Joseph and a bunch of other players stepped up, and they basically filled in admirably for Matt Wieters. But these are guys that we already feel pretty good about. Oh, yeah. But again, J.J. Hardy is not a superstar player. If you lost a superstar player like uh, Manny Machado or Adam Jones, um, you're basically somewhat done. J.J. Hardy is not a superstar player. At best, he's a one-to-two-war player which can easily be replaced if other people step up in the in the period in the period. He's supporting cast. He is you're right. He's 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 a supporting cast member. We all love him and we all are fond of him because he came in and the Orioles started winning. But in reality, he can be replaced with other people stepping up. So Orioles fans, we say to ye, uh this evening here on the Birds Eye View podcast, it's going to be okay. Step down off the ledge, but I'm going to warn you and I'm only going to warn you once. Don't look directly into the boot. It will make you sad. Yeah. Scott, it's that time. We're going to get serious? Oh, I think we're way past serious. You and I have important questions oh really and times like these demand important answers and scott when i ask you these questions mm-hmm. i don't want you to waffle i don't want you to hesitate mm-hmm. from you sir i need the truth and when i can't have it i'll take the truth mm. that's a lot of options we're gonna step in to truth or truth all right, so do you want to ask the first question, or am I asking this first question? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? Who talks so, first? Jake, I guess I'll start. Truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth. All right, Jake, let me uh, pull this out. Um, so lately I've been noticing Joey Rickard has been, I guess, struggling a little bit out in the outfield. So let me ask you this question. Would you rather have David Lowe on this team right now as a late innings defensive replacement over, over Joey Rickard? No. Wow, that was quick. Look, <laughs> I understand that the the metrics don't favor Rickard, and I have seen uh, three. I have seen three really ugly routes. I mean, with my with my eyes, yeah. you know, with with just you know, not scout fan eyes, right? Uh, and I understand that defensive metrics are a real thing. It's not a voodoo stat, but I wonder if the Joey Rickard defensive critique has gotten uh, a little harsh. I, I wonder, and you and I were, I think, unanimous in saying that 
you know, all the love for Rickard was silly because eventually it would peter out. Yes. But I wonder if this is like the counter, uh, you know, reaction at this point. I mean, he's pretty poor out there right now. Let's be honest. Like, his arm strength is not there. Uh, it hasn't shown up at all. Um, he's been bouncing balls to home plate. Um, he's missed cutoff men. He's taken, like you said, weird routes. When he played out in right field, the balls that he played off against the wall were, well, let's just say they got away from him, which is not a good sign. Look, I'm not saying that David Lowe would be better. Actually, you know what? I am saying that. David Lowe would have been better. And there's a good chance that Mark Trumbo or even Delman Young may be better in right field right now than Joey Rickard. Okay. Look, again, I'm not I'm not saying that he's Give a, me Nolan Reimold. That I'd be fine with. Yes. Give me Nolan Reimold. All right, Scott, I ask you something. All right. Truth or truth? Dare. I don't think you understand how this works. <laughs> Your options, sir, and I'll, I'll speak slowly so you're sure to understand. Truth or truth? I think I'm going to go with truth. It's a really good choice. I'm glad you went with that one. All right. Uh, there's a story um, that's been out there on the internet. This yeah. is from a couple of years ago. It's about a trio of friends who got locked into Camden Yards after it closed. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm asking you this. It's like, you know, the plot of Pretty Woman, basically. You're locked in at Camden Yards after hours. You've got the place to yourself. What's on your to-do list? Give me your top three. Uh, I believe that my my top list would be to go into the warehouse, go into the analytics department, and just basically <laughs> download their computer and probably just put some funny programs on there, like some cats smiling and playing with yarn balls, basically, just to mess with them. You should have known that the first place you would have gone was the analytics office. I... I Nerds be nerds. I should have known. Yep. All right, Jake. Truth or truth? Truth. All right. So we talked about it earlier, about Angela Showalter coming up and giving Buck a kiss. Jake, if you had one oral that could kiss you, who would it be? Past or present? Uh, let's go with past or present. Past or present. That's clear. Brian Roberts. Uh, end of story. Of uh, Brady's going to be very upset with this, but that's okay. That's the Brian Roberts crotch. Yep. Um, all right. Scott, Truth. Or truth. Let's do truth. All right, that's a good choice. Stay with me on this one, okay? I'm going to try. Let's say the Orioles starting rotation isn't working out. Okay. Let's say the rotation is kind of terrible, and you need to do something about it. Yep. We had talked in the past about Zach Britton being the top trade bait, the top trade chip on this roster. If he was hurt and you could not trade Zach Britton or get value from him, what else is in the cupboard for you to trade before or at the deadline to get a, a starter in this team? This deadline? Yes. Uh, if Chris Tillman's pitching decent, I would seriously give consideration of Chris Tillman being traded. Okay. Okay. I think there would be people that would be interested in the National League because they think that he could be the next Jake Arrieta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're just trying to make people upset at this point. <laughs> but I, I think Chris Stillman's an interesting one. Um, other players that uh, could be of interest. Matt Wieters is not a bad one, actually, if he could stay healthy yep. this season. Uh, I, th- I think that on a half-year deal, I think you might be able to get something from him. I just don't think you're going to get much besides some middling prospects. But if he's not going to do anything for you, you might as well get rid of him now because you're not going to offer him another qualifying offer. You don't want to take that risk. <laughs> All right, Jake, truth or truth? Are those really my only options? Yes, these are only your only options. <sighs> I, I guess truth. All right. So, Jake, that's the tough one. 
if you could have a World Series win from the Baltimore Orioles, but you're only allowed to listen to Let It Be, the album, would you do it? So I have to give up everything else in the Beatles catalog besides Let It Be? Yes. For a World Series championship? Yes. And so if I don't give up the catalog, I never see a World Series championship? That is correct. Oh, man. I'm going to. Can we just go back? Let It Be is probably the worst Beatles album, correct? I don't know. That's kind of harsh. Let It Be has a couple of good tunes on it. It's got a couple like, up, we're breaking up, so we'll do an epilogues. It's not worse than Beatles for Sale. Beatles for Sale is pretty bad. Um, I'm going to say no. Okay. So I'm going to say I would live the experience of every. Cubs, Cubs fan, fan alive today. Just to have the Beatles in your life. In order to to uh, continue to to have the Beatles in my life. Well, cuckoo, cuckoo to that. Whew, that's a really ugly question, Scott. <laughs> that's a soul-searching question right there. <laughs> there was no right answer there. Yeah. All right. Last question from me. Scott, truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth, truth. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, we, we all, for some reason, lock on to players that we like despite the fact that they're not very good. Oh, yeah, like Dylan Atkinson said he liked Brett Laurie this week. Did you see that? That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I did see that. Everyone boo Dylan Atkinson when you see him on Twitter. He hates Joey Rickard, and he likes Brett Laurie. He's pretty much the worst baseball fan out there. True. And truth. Yes. Um, for me as a kid, it was Jeff Rebelay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, my question You didn't you- like Jeff Rebelay. What's that? You didn't like Jeff Rebelay? No, I did. Oh, you did that's like what I'm Jeff saying. He, I know he, your brother loved Jeff Rebelay. No, it was Jeff Kona. Oh, Jeff Kona. That's right. Okay, go ahead. But we lock onto these players that uh, even though they're not very good, they just they creep into our hearts. Um, so I'm asking you, when you look back at a lifetime of Orioles baseball, uh, who do you think your guilty pleasure Oriole will be? Ooh, guilty pleasure Oriole. Um, this is what you get for asking me a Beatles question. The thing is, I really hate everyone. <laughs> So you were the grumpy cat of, of podcasters. Yeah. It's actually funny because someone just recently asked me, like, what do you really enjoy watching in baseball? And I'm like, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, but guilty pleasures. You know what? I really enjoyed watching Sidney Ponson back in the day. Really? Yeah. Really did like enjoy watching Sidney Ponson like come to the mound and, and pitch. And Jerry McGuthrie is an, uh, somewhat of a guilty pleasure, I guess, because of the whole Royals incident. Yeah. But I really did enjoy kind of, Terrible pitchers, but kind of they were the best that the Orioles had. So the Rodrigo Lopez's and the Jeremy Guthrie's and the Sidney Ponsones, I kind of latched on to them. Um, so you were the guy buying the Sidney Ponson uh, jerseys. I was the guy that brought the Byron Mattis uh, jerseys. So yes, that's why he has failed miserably in this time. So Scott, I think we've reached a point where we have gotten too much truth. Yeah, we this this has gotten a little ugly, but let's get some good and bad in there to go along with it. That's right, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. As we do so many times with this segment, I'm going to go ahead and go first so that we can let Scott go last for his ugly as his rants generally exceed the quality of my own. I'm going to start uh, with the good, and my good for this week is a guy I've been beating up all season, and that is Pedro Alvarez. 
He had a 608 Woba and a 314 weighted runs created plus. And look, he may not have driven in a ton of runs. He only drove in two runs this weekend or this week. But he's sh- starting to show life at the plate. And if he's everything that he's billed to be, which is hot and cold and hot and cold, when he's hot, he is scorching. Should I play Katy Perry now? No. Okay. No. So I, I've got to tip my cap only because I've been beating him up so horribly. Pedro Alvarez was good this week, and I have to admit it. All right, my good for the week is going to go to Kevin Gossman, who I thought pitched fairly masterful um, and really kind of gave me hope for the uh, Orioles going forward. I think if Kevin Gossman can continue to pitch the way he has been, um, we're in for a uh, for a very good season. Kevin Gossman literally is showing how well a pitcher should be pitching for this team going forward. Let me ask you something. Can we take a break from Good, Bad, and the Ugly and ask for some analysis here? Um you put together a post on Kevin Gosman, and it was up on Baltimore Sports Report yeah. this week. Uh, you should definitely check that out. Uh, I saw something from Kevin Gosman which surprised me. You've been talking a lot about Gosman's use of the breaking ball, right? The slurve. Is it the curveball? Is it the slurve? We'll what just call is it a slurve, yeah. But one of your outstanding questions is what happened to the split change. Yeah. Because that used to be his go-to out pitch. Right. I saw the split change for a put-away at some point during the game. And, and to be honest with you, like, I was sitting there with the kids. I wasn't, you know, sure. I, I wasn't at all looking at it analytically. I was just watching the game as a dumb fan, as I sometimes do. Yeah. Um, but I saw the split change as as a strikeout pitch, and I was like, whoa, that was the first time I had really noticed it. Right. Is he is he starting to integrate that back in, or did he in that last start, or was that an aberration? He, no, he definitely integrated the split uh, split changeup back into that second start. Uh, again, after that first start, and he started going more to his slur and getting rid of his split change. Uh, it was just something that I noticed after one game. Again, extremely small sample size. They might have a game plan against Tampa Bay, um, but it certainly looked like he got back to the split change and mixing it in. But he definitely was still working the slur in. But the pitch usage uh, resembled much more similar to previous years. But it looks like he's actually getting a break, having good control and command of that breaking ball. The walks are extremely down and the the K rate's up as well. Um, Kevin Gossman, again, if he can work in that slurve, I'm not sure if he needs to use as much as he did during that first game. But if he can work in that slurve and that splitter, um, it's going to make that fastball at 97 to 98 mile per hour that much better so i'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with kevin gossel what's the cliche one one good pitch to compete two to win three to dominate pretty much yeah, yeah. i'll take it yeah all right let's talk about bad um and for this week bad abaldo jimenez look he's a guy that's up and that's down he's gonna have his good starts and his bad starts unfortunately we got the bad this week and this week alone the guy is pegged with two losses you know again he just pitched uh, 10.2 innings over those two starts and it was not good news so abaldo jimenez uh, especially in his last start he was bad uh, my bad's gonna go to darren o'day um who really only had one bad game there on saturday but boy he made a count <laughs> that's the whole thing he just made a count so you know, some of the numbers are kind of atrocious. I mean, you look at his strikeout rate, it's 11.57, but then you look at his home runs. He put one fly ball up in the air in this past week, and that one fly ball was a home run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it, this thing, these things balance out, and Darren O'Day has been absolutely masterful for the entire season. So you knew eventually he was going to go boom at a certain point, yeah. and unfortunately came at one of the worst possible moments that it could have happened. So Darren O'Day gets the bad. I certainly think he's going to bounce back from it very well. Um, I just it he gets a an X mark this this week, and I'm looking for him to get over it come this week. All right, me for this week. 
in my ugly, I'm not going to look at the week. And I'm not going to look at, at a game. I'm going to look at one moment. Because there was a, a player in one moment, one pitch, that best resembled me as a Little League player. And that was Mark Trumbo striking out on a ball that struck him. Yeah. That was not a good look. Look, Trumbo has been great. He has been nothing but good for the Orioles so far this year. Uh, much better in the field than advertised or at least expected. Uh, much better at the plate than advertised or expected. But woof, that was one ugly strikeout. Here's the thing. If it would happen against any other pitcher, I'd have been like, yep, that's ugly. But Chris Sale's slider is absolutely filthy. So you can't see it come in like that. So when it breaks into you, it's over the plate when it finally basically is going to hit you. Chris Sale is an amazing pitcher. Amazing. Yeah. One of the best in the league. Yeah. Mark Trumbo struck out on a pitch that hit him. Yeah, but again... That it, struck his body. That was a filthy pitch. Let's let's just admit to that. We'll come back and actually look at that pitch. You you did see that pitch on TV, right? I watched the whole thing okay. in horror. Okay. I, I thought it was an excellent pitch by Chris Sale. Chris Sale deserves a massive amount of credit. I'm not going to give Trumbo too much beef, but... Mark Trumbo definitely is cooling off at the plate is the best way to put it. So if you if you want to get on that, sure, that's fine. But you know who's really ugly? And I hate to beat on him, but I'm going to beat on him. Joey Rickard is absolutely ugly. And there's no reason why Joey Rickard should be batting leadoff for this team right now. It makes no sense. Joey Rickard right now has a 200 average, a 259 on base percentage, 59 weighted runs created plus, which basically puts him right there with Jonathan Scope, who's batting ninth or eighth right now joey ricker deserves to be the ninth hole hitter right now there's no reason for him to be the leadoff hitter not to mention past the whole thing of him being absolutely atrocious at the plate lately um he is doing terrible in the field and i know you hate the advanced metrics and i don't like the advanced metrics this early on in the sample size i don't hate i just don't you don't agree with it. and I, I i'm not going to fully buy into because it's too small of a sample size to really judge him but i've seen several plays now with my own eyes that it makes me just say gosh that's a play that a decent above average outfielder should make and as a person that was heralded as an above average outfielder i'm just not seeing it i saw much better plays from players such as travis snyder and david lowe that Joey Rickard just does not strike me as a defensive outfielder. He strikes me as much more of a below-average outfielder. If you're going to put a defensive replacement in there right now, I'm going with Nolan Reimold over anybody else right now. Nolan Reimold is my defensive outfielder until Joey Rickard can figure it out. At all three positions. At all three positions, I agree. Um, center field is maybe up for up for debate, but <sighs> Joey Rickard has been absolutely ugly. Um he deserves no part of being in the number one hole and doesn't doesn't deserve the plate appearances he's seeing either. Get more bats out there for Nolan Reimold and get some more bats out there for Hunsu Kim as well. Simple as that. All right. You want to blow the save? I want to blow the save. Um I'm very proud of the Orioles for coming a long way in a short period of time. And and uh one of the things that they've come a long way on is uh Father's Day a few years ago, they instituted this thing where you play catch on the field. They've added that for Mother's Day this year, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Because I think it's it's terrible to say that, you know, mothers and sons and mothers and daughters, mothers and kids can't enjoy baseball together. Uh, I'm really glad that the Orioles are doing this on Mother's Day. Not every mom, you know, loves baseball or loves going to the park. 
Uh, but if you are in such a way that you can go to the ball game with your mom uh, on Mother's Day, it it's a great way to spend the day at the park with the family. So uh, t- uh, tip of the cap to the Orioles for extending that out to Mother's Day in addition to Father's Day this year. I thought it was a uh, that was a nice little uh, nice little move on their part. Wow, tip of the cap for the Baltimore Orioles. It happens every oh. once in a while. All right. Well, with that. I don't know. I'm I'm still on edge after all this injury talk, after the abysmal Saturday Sunday experience, and then the uh, the agony of the off day on Monday. Should be an interesting series coming up against the Yankees. Yankees have been pretty much cold as ice. So let's just see. Hope they don't break out of it against the Orioles because that will be instant chaos in Baltimore if that happens. You're saying you hope that they're willing to sacrifice their love. Uh, pretty much yes. Well, with that, Baltimore and beyond. I bid you all a fond adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. You weren't going to leave a foreigner reference out there for me to not pick up, right? No, I was hoping you would pick it up. Na, 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 You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.